1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast brought to you by our friends at Ship Station and Harry's. Get to know about them later in the show. And our friends, uh, we are RotoViz Radio. Week 8 is in the books, and we are joined by my good friend. I- I'm back. Uh, I actually did my homework this week, Dan, so I, I can I can join you. Uh, my mom said, Nathan, if you finish your homework, you can record the Dynasty Tradecast
2: lovely lady i always i always appreciate when she lets you be here uh yeah we're we're here i was uh fortunate enough to have bruce last week and and we we talked about all of the the fun things of of week seven slash starts of week eight and some trades that happened and it looks like we've got uh kind of some more of the same type of stuff just different humans
1: there you go. That's pretty much what this podcast is about. It's about humans throwing around what they call a pig skin uh, <laughs> and how that impacts our gambling slash fantasy footballness. We are degenerates. There you go. All right. Uh, before we get into today's show, I want to remind you you can get a RotoViz subscription by going to slash radio. Get 10% off a RotoViz pass. It helps support the show. You get all the great apps, all the great articles. And, you know, like I said, the most important part, it supports the show, helps bring you great podcasts like RotoViz Radio, the, the flagship, uh, Overtime Ireland, uh, the Dice Tradecast. I almost called this Nathan Powell show, but, you know, I'm, <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's how crazy I am. But, yeah, Dan, tell our listeners how else they can support uh, RotoViz.
2: Well, folks, you can go to Patreon and you can get in on the $6 a month option. That gets you into the premium Slack. That gets you access to us, uh, all of the all of the guys and gals that you stop in to listen to weekly, and, and you can pick our brains. There's all sorts of different categories, all sorts of different chat groups. Hop on in there, and you can pick our brains, which is always fun.
1: Oh, and one more Roto-Viz, uh plug. Now for the next 16 weeks, every Sunday morning, we are re-releasing the Fantasyland podcast. Fantasyland is an evergreen podcast. Basically, it talks about basically the history of fantasy football, different elements of fantasy football. It is one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. They didn't tell me to say this, but it's just a fact it is. Uh, I ran into Pete Overzet at a conference and said, hey, when's some new Fantasyland's coming out? And he was like, you know what? I think during the season we're going to re-release them." So he gave that promise to me and now they're re-releasing him. So if you haven't listened, make sure every Sunday morning you tune into that. It's a great you know, Sunday morning, listen. You're driving to church, driving to whatever whatever you do on Sunday mornings. Love it. All right, let's get started with uh, the big news of Monday, Monday morning. Kenyon Drake uh, was it was announced on Sunday that he would not play on Monday night football, and so they, they were like, okay, obviously he's being traded, and that came to fruition on Monday morning. Not the Detroit Lions, who everyone thought, oh, uh, R. I. P. Ty Johnson chairs. Uh, no. Maybe RIP your Chase Edmonds shares as Kenyon Drake gets traded to the Cardinals for what will likely be a fifth round NFL draft pick. Dan, does this make you worried about David Johnson or what's the prognosis from the Kenyon Drake trade?
2: Well, I mean, you could look at this from a couple of different ways. It, to me, it looks just kind of like a stopgap to get them through until David Johnson is fully healthy. But it also kind of solidifies that backfield a little bit more. So when David Johnson is healthy, they've got David Johnson, they've got Kenyon Drake, and that's a pretty solid pair. Both both are, are pretty capable of, of doing you know, plenty of things. Neither one of them are, I don't think, are elite backs. Obviously, David Johnson's a really you know, high-end pass catcher. And we've seen Kenyon Drake succeed between the tackles. We've seen him do all right through the air. And I I think it's a decent tandem. I I think this is more of a Chase Edmonds replacement than it is a David Johnson replacement, but going for a little higher profile player like this, uh, I think means that we're going to be out of David Johnson for possibly longer than what was maybe originally thought. So um, I do like Kenyon Drake here. I think the kind of up paced, high flying offense in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray at the helm, I, I think this can be a good combination The problem is now is you're probably not going to be able to buy Kenyon Drake unless it's on a team that isn't trying to compete. Not that he's old by any means, but Kenyon Drake just kind of feels like one of those kind of a rental type player. It doesn't feel like a long-term fit with Arizona. So I, I feel like his value really lies in this season and even maybe not even the remainder of it, just in the short term. Uh, but I do think he's going to put up some nice points because he's really been held back by Miami.
1: Yeah, for sure. And they they I feel like they've kind of always had the hand out for him, you know, uh, drafting Kalen Ballage, not giving him the touches he needed, kind of a Lamar Miller type, you know, feel to him. I, I don't think he's going to get the workhorse role that that Lamar Miller obviously got in Houston. But I do think that Drake has a bit of a great best ball feel right now. You know, even it, even with a healthy David Johnson, I think they're going to find ways to get Kenyon Drake involved, whether it's, you know, as a running back slash wide receiver hybrid or at just as the third down back. I, I think that Drake gets the ball a lot. So, yeah, I think that this is the end for Chase Edmonds. I think that they – which is weird because he did have a huge game, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. So the trade does kind of make me think maybe he's a little bit injured. I mean, I, he did get injured this week as well. So – uh we'll, we'll see what comes out of it but i think that at the end of the day david johnson's not hurt too much Edmonds is the loser here but drake is the winner by going from the dolphins offense to cliff kingsbury who is a very you know high volatile volatile offense
2: right so if we're looking at this let's say you're contending and someone who isn't contending maybe puts Kenyon drake up on the trade block or says hey i'm shopping i'd like to trade him soon blah 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 what are you offering as far as rookie picks for Kenyon Drake today? I don't think you need to pay more than a late second.
1: I mean, if, if it costs more than that, I might be a little bit, uh, you know, fading him because uh, I, I don't think that his his role, particularly in a lineup league, is secure enough that you're going to be starting him anytime soon. So, I mean, I, I'd throw a late second, early third at him, but, you know, th- I think that could go one of two ways. It could go, a snap, accept, or they could say, "Hey, he just—he's just got traded. His value went up by a lot."
2: Yeah, I think I'm probably at, at at its ceiling. I'm probably going mid-second if it's a really running back needy team. Just, I mean, we we just watched Ty Johnson and Chase Edmonds in the last couple of weeks here go for right around, you know, that late second, maybe even slightly more than that. And I feel like Kenyon Drake is above and beyond both of those players. And again, not that this is going to be a long-term fit because he is going to be a free agent, but I do think that he has more short-term upside than either one of those guys does. Yep, I agree. Uh, I guess we'll wrap up with talking about the Dolphins uh, running backs
1: here. Mark Walton is, is the leading carrier as we speak in the the Monday night game where the Dolphins are winning 14 to nothing. Do you think that's how that's going to be the rest of the season, that it's not the ballad show, it's Mark Walton, or do you think that's going to be a you know pretty split time share?
2: I mean it depends on the work I think they'll split targets or I I'm, I, would have, I would certainly hope that Ballage is getting more of the targets um but I do I do think Mark Walton is definitely the better running back however on this atrocious Dolphins team that really isn't going anywhere I can't imagine either one of these guys has a real substantial role in 2020 or beyond so I mean if people are out offering just for the volume which you know most of the time you are chasing volume especially at the running back position if people are sending offers and trying to buy, I'm I'm happily moving either of them. I think I think the Dolphins uh, use their plethora of picks in 2020 to kind of revamp the offense as a whole, and and just kind of see what you know where it goes from there. Honestly, it's I don't think either one of these guys is is really even worth having outside of you know end of end of roster spots.
1: Yeah, I think if you can get a third for either of them, you snap except uh, because you're getting them for the short term production. But the short term production probably isn't going to be there because the team's going to be so pass happy, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Rose and the rest of the way, because the team is bad. Granted, they might have their first win by the time you're hearing this. So <laughs> but still, the team's bad regardless. So I don't think there's much to be had at the Dolphins running backs. It is a future uh, you know, asset to have is the, the, the 2020 NFL running back. All right, let's move on to one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this week was Cooper Cup over in London. Brandon Cooks went out early with a concussion. Some people are concerned that that is now trending towards a Jordan Reed area. So I guess we can talk about him as well. But with a possible Cooks long-term injury, uh, does that move up Cup? Or is it just the fact that he's been so dominant move up Cup? Where are you on Cup right now?
2: I said Cup a lot. (laughs) Well, I think, I think naturally you probably have to move him, I mean, definitely to the top of this group as far as fantasy value, but I think they're all probably priced accordingly, all you know, high-end, mid-wide receiver twos. The only problem I see with Cooper Cup is that he's still being viewed in the offense, and yes, Brandon Cook is out right now, but he's still being viewed in the offense from opposing defenses as the third wide receiver. He's not drawing top coverage. Robert Woods is drawing top coverage or Brandon Cooks is drawing top coverage. Cup works inside, usually against a safety or against a backer. Sometimes if they slide that that slot corner in there, that's one thing. I, most defenses are playing three, you know, three across against this team. And nothing's really going to change now that they have Josh Reynolds. Obviously, Cooper Cup's going to get more looks. I would expect Robert Woods to probably draw a little bit more as teams maybe transition to covering Cup a little bit more than they have been. Because if you kind of look through everything, yes, he's made a lot of really nice plays. But a lot of this stuff is busted coverages or against just inferior players. Because Cooper Cup is a really good player, don't get me wrong. But he's not being treated as the top guy in this offense. And it's looking more and more like Goff and McVay are just going to kind of take what the defense gives them and the defense is giving them Cooper cup and the defense is giving them Gerald Everett at this point. So I don't know. I I don't, I'm not moving him way up. I don't think he's a first round asset. I don't think I'm still probably not taking him even in the second round, but that's just me because I'm a Robert Woods Homer. And I, for some reason came around on Brandon cooks. And then of course he has his worst season of the year. Uh, that, you know, it's just kind of inevitable. So you're you're welcome for me affecting the uh, solar system in that fashion. And I think the big thing here is is moving Josh Reynolds back onto, you know, he's probably dropped in a lot of places. So I think he's probably one of your high-end waiver options this week. And honestly, he's probably startable because the three wide receivers have been somewhat all three startable throughout. And if this Rams team continues to play the way they are playing, we're used to seeing them spread the ball out. And I, I think Reynolds becomes relevant while Cooks is out again.
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I, I put the first round startup question mark onto our sheet here. I don't think we're going there quite yet, but I think he's firmly in that second round. I, I've i liked what I've seen a lot from, from Cup this year. Rams offense really hasn't even been that good. And he's been like a wide receiver one in fantasy. So I, I think that Cup... Is, has emerged clearly as the wide receiver one in, in Los Angeles from a fantasy perspective You may be right in terms of the coverage And how teams are playing it and that might Impact like oh cop just had an 800 Yard game we should maybe cover him with more than one <laughs> Player but I, I Think that uh, even though he was an older Rookie I think that he has you know five six Years of you know low end wide receiver one High end wide receiver two production ahead of him And you know that's an offense that that I'm, I like because I, I think I think Jared Goff is better than he he Played earlier in the season so I'm big on Cup right now. I think that he's worth, you know, two and a half first, and worth that second-round startup pick.
2: That's fair. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna slight you for that at all. I mean, that's that's probably where a lot of people will start taking him. And we've seen Brandon Cooks go in that spot over and over and over again. And now he can't stay healthy, so you know, the, a, another guy in a similar role. We've even seen Robert Woods sneak into that late second, early third spot um, when he was kind of Jared Goff's binky. So yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard not to put Cooper Cup there.
1: All right, let's move on to a pair of big performances from a pair of big uh, rookie running backs. We had Miles Sanders and David Montgomery. Uh, Miles Sanders had a big, I think it was like a 60, 70 yard touchdown run. And David Montgomery, after uh, Matt Nagy said, hey, we're going to run the ball more than seven times. Well, they certainly did that. Um, they didn't allow Mitchell Trubisky to throw the ball past five yards. Uh, but that was to the benefit of David Montgomery as he had he had his first big game, had a few touchdowns, of, I think over 100 yards as well. So, uh, what's your big takeaway from from these two? Is there one that you're moving up higher than the other? Uh, what are your thoughts on these?
2: You know, I don't really have a whole lot of movement for either of them. I think the David Montgomery stuff was was kind of getting overblown. He he was wasn't getting enough looks. He wasn't getting the volume, and from what I saw when the offense even resembled something from the NFL, he looked good. He he looked very capable, obviously a rookie still doing rookie things. And then with Miles Sanders, I mean, like I, I get the the attraction, I get everything, but his upside is having the ball in space or as a pass catcher. His his upside isn't giving him the ball fourteen, fifteen, eighteen times every game he's going to get destroyed if they if they start bell cowing him so my issue with miles sanders is he's being looked at at what a third round startup pick probably maybe fourth and he just doesn't have the volume for me to be okay with him going there are his big plays huge and scoring touchdowns great that's absolutely awesome that's what you want to see what you don't want to see is six touches that you know if you if you're player is that good and playing that well you would think that they're going to try to give him more and more touches he, he he did get hurt okay so there's that part but if you look back earlier in the season when he's getting 10 or 12 carries every game he did not look good even even of late the last few games he's been really bad i mean not even like oh it's just you know he had a tough one between the tackles i don't think he's very good i think he's elite in space as a pass catcher, not between the tackles. Well, that That's my issue with him. I feel like if we value him the way we value James White, and I've been saying it for a few weeks, that's where you make your money. You cannot put him as a top 50 player and expect any return on your investment.
1: I'm a little bit higher on him than you, but I've also been higher on this Eagles offense the whole year, and it's just you know starting to benefit me in the last like couple weeks, I guess. But with Sanders, I think that he does have RB1 ability he might not have 20 carry workhorse ability, but I think that once the, the Eagles and the offense finds out, Hey, let's get Sanders four to five catches a game. Let's get him 10 carries a game. Like once he gets in that zone of where he should be in terms of, a you know, a guy who does well in space, then I think that he's in RB two in fantasy, which is a very good thing for a young running back. And to David Montgomery, I've been a bit up and down on him, you know, in college, I was like, yeah, this guy is like a volume guy, averaging like four point 2. two yards per carry at Iowa State. And then he, he had a, he was drafted in the third round of the NFL draft, and I was like, oh, that's pretty high. I Higher than I thought he was going to go. And he's in a situation where, yes, they have Tariq Cohen, but he is in a on a team that he could very well get that twenty plus carry, and he does have the the he does have the body for that as well. So I still prefer Sanders to Montgomery because I think that he's more talented, but Montgomery does have the profile and the offense to get more volume in the the short term.
2: Yeah. For me, volume is, is everything. And I think that lies with David Montgomery. If we were talking about miles Sanders on a different team in a, in a setting that doesn't have a coach that historically doesn't have a running back dominate touches. I, I think we're having a completely different conversation and my, that's that. And going back to what I just said is that's, that's my, probably my biggest issue is not only is he not getting the volume now, looking at Doug Peterson's history, he doesn't have running backs dominate touches. And you can say, oh, he hasn't had anyone like Miles Sanders. The last time he had a running back dominate touches was 2013 Jamal Charles' all pro season. That's the last time. He still coached him in 2014, where he did fine, but he didn't dominate touches. Guys have been, he's been doing a running back by committee literally since jamal charles all pro season so i I think looking at what we can look at with doug peterson and the way he uses running backs that should probably be a, a bigger red flag to people than it is because he's going to use jordan howard the way he's been using him he's gonna get he's gonna find ways to get miles sanders in space but he's not gonna have enough volume for me to be okay taking him where running backs that get volume are being taken okay um and now that um i'm done getting all Upset about Miles Sanders and Doug Peterson, all of that stuff. I'm gonna talk about something that doesn't upset me. That's one of our friends, lovely sponsor of the show, Ship Station. And of course, we've got holidays on the way. The big rush is coming. So if you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before. Honestly, I don't even think people go to the store anymore. Pretty much everyone shops online. You've got to be able to ship orders out quickly, effectively and affordably, and honestly, you couldn't look any further than ShipStation. Problem is, is how do we keep track of all those orders, you ask, you know, how do we decide which which courier we're gonna use, where, where we're gonna send things, or is this really the best rate? Well, thankfully, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. No matter what you're selling, Uh, or where you're selling, sorry, on Amazon, on Etsy, your own website, wherever, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. We've talked about it before. I've done this on my cell phone. Super simple, way easier than the other places, and it's not even close. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best solution for you and your customer as far as shipping goes. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. Yes, that's a big discount. I don't think you people realize how big discounts those <laughs> those people get. Uh, so that's why you'll always know you're getting the best deal. And it's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So... Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my code, well, our code technically, Blue, B-L-U-E, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in Blue, B-L-U-E, Blue. That's ShipStation.com, enter code Blue, ShipStation, make ship happen
1: and i will make ship happen by talking about somebody who made some ship happen with tevin coleman tevin coleman four touchdowns against the carolina panthers and san francisco and i feel like we've been bubbling up the surface of how for real or the 49ers with the absolute smackdown on a panthers team that has played very well this year even without cam newton uh i think we can safely say that the 49ers are nfc content- contenders super bowl contenders and tevin coleman being very good despite RB's not mattering as part of it.
2: <laughs> that defense is is special in San Francisco and then you look to the other side of the ball and you get offensive juggernaut Kyle Shanahan which we've talked about before mm-hmm. uh, I think coaching definitely does matter and I think Kyle Shanahan is if not the best one of the best offensive minds in the NFL and he's finally getting some some quality players around Obviously, having his guy from Atlanta, Tevin Coleman, and um, and adding some other pieces. Obviously, they have ultra elite tight end George Kittle, but we've seen Tevin Coleman kind of trending upwards um, when healthy here the last few weeks, uh, a little more efficient this week, obviously, with the couple of big plays and all of the touchdowns, but between uh, five, week five, six, and seven, since he's been back, uh, those three weeks he averaged 18 carries. This week he only had 11 because they were absolutely killing the Panthers and didn't really need to go all crazy. So I mean, honestly, his his usage is is there um, if we're if we're looking at it from that standpoint. And I know Matt Breida was always kind of uh, looked at to be the guy when Tevin was was hurt and everyone just kind of assumed he would continue to get big time looks and and big opportunity, but I think Kyle Shanahan's happy to, to hand the keys over to Tevin Coleman in this backfield. And, and honestly, he's looked really good doing it.
1: Yeah. And both Breda and Tevin Coleman haven't necessarily been known as the least fragile running backs ever. And so I think that the committee, you know, giving each of them like 10 carries, you know, 10 to 12 touches a game is probably the, the best option for the 49ers as a team. And I think that with how good they've, they both have been particularly in the passing game that they're both still fantasy startable, even if they both get limited volume, I think Tim Coleman's more startable because I, I think he ends up getting the goal line work. Uh, cause he is the de facto RB one based on you know, salary and all those things. But yeah, I, th- I think that with how good this team is good, good defenses help produce good running backs. And so if the Niners defense is going to shut down offenses so easily, the, uh, the Niners are going to be running the ball a lot with, with Coleman and with Breida. Uh, and Tevin in general, uh, I, I'll say he's, he's still a buy because I feel like even with a big game like this, people don't see him as an RB1. People don't – I mean obviously don't see him as a fantasy RB1 because he's not really a fantasy RB1. He's a fantasy RB2, but I don't think anyone really sees him as an NFL RB1. They, they For years they said, oh, once he gets from behind Devonta Freeman, he'll be a great earning back. Now he's from behind Devonta
2: Freeman, and we just don't care. Yeah, and the one thing with with the defense being as good as it is 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 the offense doesn't have to throw the ball quite as much. So we're looking to them at them being a little more maybe more efficient than probably we're used to, kind of like a like a poor man's Russell Wilson in Seattle type thing where we're only expecting twenty five thirty if we're lucky passes a game, and that's kind of what Garoppolo's had to do this year is is he's only thrown over thirty times twice. And that was once in a close game and once versus division rival um Los Angeles Rams. So I feel like we're gonna get the run heavy offense. And Matt Breida has averaged twelve uh carries per game for the season, which I mean that's fine. That that's not like high end anything, but I feel like he can average twelve and Tevin can still have between fifteen and eighteen, and both of them will probably catch a couple passes, maybe three if they're lucky. And um They'll continue to just kind of produce and, and be okay and be there for you. So I think honestly this can be relatively cheap running back help for your teams because uh, aside from this week neither has been you know ultra productive in fantasy neither has put up major major points uh, but both have been relatively consistent and I think good enough. So I, I think this the defense definitely props the whole team up but the offense is getting better. So I love the fact that Kyle Shanahan is is kind of you know behind the wheel with everything and i'm i find myself probably buying too many of all of these players aside from maybe the wide receivers outside of manny sanders he's probably the only one i really want there but the running backs are all lovely obviously george kittle is george kittle and even even though garoppolo isn't throwing a ton of passes i think he can be good and efficient enough where he'll still be pretty solid for fantasy reasons
1: yep all right, let's move on to the Jaguars quarterback quarterback situation. Uh, they are heading into a bye week, and it seems like Nick Foles will be ready to play football after that bye week, which would be week 10. The trade deadline is on Tuesday, so if you're hearing this and Nick Foles has been traded, uh, then you can fast forward like four or five minutes. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I've been of the opinion basically since the injury happened that I, I didn't think Foles was getting this job back, and Minshew has played certainly well enough. Uh, that he shouldn't get the shot back, especially because Jacksonville, yes, they might be a semi-playoff contender for like a six seed, but everyone knows that like, there's like two or three teams that can win the AFC and it's not the Jaguars. So I, I think that, you know, that team should just ride it out with Minshew, whether it's trading Foles or keeping Foles on the bench. I, I don't see much purpose in going back to Foles here. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I don't think they can. I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Nick Foles is is due to make a buttload of money, and the Jaguars don't have an out until I think 2021, maybe. But you can't take Minshew out. He's played too well. The team has the team has been doing well, and there's just no reason to make the switch. It's not like you're bringing Drew Brees back and you're pulling Teddy Bridgewater. You're you're continuing to play a quarterback that hasn't been turning the ball over. Is completing passes at a rate probably better than what Foles has in his career, and the offense is moving the ball without problem. I just don't see how you go back to Foles. Yes, he's got you know the Super Bowl pedigree. Cool, awesome. Minshew's a gamer. That this offense is you know he's what this offense needs. We've seen Fournette kind of come out of hiding and and playing well. Obviously Gardner Minshew, like I said before, has been playing really nicely. He's not. You know, he's he's not like a game changer, like I said before, like a Drew Brees or Tom Brady or, you know, he's not an elite quarterback, but he's certainly better than Nick Foles. And I think you just eat that contract until you can get out from under it. Uh, maybe look in the offseason to try to trade it and, and do something like that. But until until the wheels fall off of Minshew, which I don't see how they could at this point, because he's been really consistent all season. You can't make the switch back.
1: Yeah, certainly not. And I guess while, while we're talking
2: about the Jaguars,
1: um, obviously the, the top two are Chark and Westbrook. But Chris Conley has shown some flashes, and Keelan Cole actually scored a touchdown frustratingly. Uh, <laughs> it, is Chris Conley enough to be worried about D.D. Westbrook? I know you were a big fan of his. Uh, does does Conley uh, hurt his
2: upside at all? No, I don't think he necessarily hurts the upside, but I think he's he's certainly a really nice stash-type player and a bench guy. Because of, you know, D's Dee Dee had a couple, I think a couple missed games now or at least, you know, been injured. So um, I'm not super worried about DD I think it, it if anything, is kind of a next man up because I think I feel like the Jags have kind of always done that with their wide receivers. Whether it was Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, you know, all the way up through now until we, we've got DJ Chark, DD Westbrook, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole, who was there for the garbage time Bortles bit. Yeah, I, I feel like they're just kind of nice guys to have on the roster. Obviously DJ Chark is the one really to own here. I think D.D. Westbrook is nice and and I mean he was getting plenty of targets and stuff. So I, I don't feel like Chris Conley's taking any work. If anything, they start going more three more three wide receiver sets and maybe leaving Fournette back there solo or or you know not having two tight ends or whatever they run. I, I just feel like the passing offense has been really good with DD out there and in, in combination with DJ Chark that you can't really screw up that, that tandem.
1: Now let's assume Minshew uh, has the job for good. Uh, what Superflex rookie pick value would you put on him right now?
2: That's a good question. I, on it. I'm, I feel like he's worth, he's probably like a late first, but I feel like it's one of those where I would be offering a second and like a high upside wide receiver or a, a you know, a, a potential running back or something I, like, like that. Like
1: two and Chris Conley.
2: Well, I, I don't think that's getting it done, but you certainly <laughs> could try. I feel like two seconds would be more palatable to me than a late first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. I think that he's right around that fringe late first, early second type value. I, I don't think he's too much of a risk to lose the job at this point. But, you know, we, we'll see throughout the offseason. So I wouldn't go spending a mid-first. But if you can get him for a late-first value, I'm fine dealing. a like a, If you're a team that has a buy, I'm fine dealing your first right now uh, for
2: Minshew. If you need a quarterback, obviously. Well, you know who you shouldn't be trading for? Uh, another quarterback, Sam Darnold. Another guy you probably shouldn't be trading for is another running back, Le'Veon Bell. The New York Jets players have kind of gone into the tank and and as as trade cast Sam Darnold fan Nathan I I think you are I I think you have to speak out on this topic and let the folks know what they should be doing with their Sam Darnold shares because I've got to be completely honest with you he looks like hot garbage
1: so after the big Dallas Cowboys game I said that I was in love with him and that to go and try and trade for him in case he has a big game against New England, because that would be so good that like he'd be like vaulted <laughs> into a top five quarterback. I said that mostly jokingly uh, and tongue-in-cheek, but I am officially hashtag worried. Uh, I know that Adam Gase is a mess, and I know that this offense in general is a mess, but the last two games have not been promising for Sam Darnold, and so honestly, if someone like myself is doubting it now is the time to go and buy Sam Darnold, because you might get him off of me right now, much less, you know, someone who doesn't like him as much as I do. So I I think his value is in the tank. And I, I think that we're officially in the questioning, is he a long-term franchise quarterback? And that's not a good place to be.
2: Yeah, it's really not. And especially when you, when you're looking at the, the counting stats and, And instead of calling it touchdown to interception ratio, I think we have to call it interception to touchdown ratio because over his last two games, he's got seven picks and two touchdowns. I don't know if anyone's out there is good at math. That's not good. (laughs) Yes. He did play new England in what was just probably one of the worst offensive performances I've ever physically seen. And then, you know, Jacksonville isn't a juggernaut on defense, but they're, they're also no, not, not a slouch by any means. So another three picks, in this game and and it looked honestly i was ready to to be like hey i was wrong on darnold he's he's looking better i think we can talk about him as a as a legitimate qb2 well i i I hate to say it nathan but i I think i was right before he came back (laughs) yeah for sure and the the thing about with
1: Le'Veon Bell here is that, you know, my whole spin zone with Darnell was, oh, Le'Veon Bell is going to make the Jets offense better, which makes Sam Darnold better. And Le'Veon Bell just hasn't been who he was in Pittsburgh after the year off. And so I, I think Le'Veon Bell is now in the RB2 territory, you know, RB like 12 to 15 range. I don't think that he's going to be getting the workhorse type role that I thought he would as he entered with the Jets, just because he's not he's not that guy anymore. Uh, so definitely concerning for Le'Veon Bell. He's not who he, who who I thought he w- still was, but he's not
2: bad. He's just not old Le'Veon Bell. The, it was so promising too at the start of the season because he was averaging through the first month of the season he was averaging eight targets a game, and that's what we we love to see with our with our you know, potential bell cow running backs, the rushing really hasn't been there at all. He's his best game so far this season is 70 yards. uh, And that's just not really going to cut it. And that was against new England of all, of all teams. So I feel like he's, he's got to be more consistently involved in the passing game, which yes, that first month he, he was solid. Like I said, averaging eight targets per game. And over the last three, you know, three targets, four targets a game just isn't isn't going to get it done Uh, especially when he's pretty easily your best player on offense you've just got to get him the ball and even if it's going nowhere who else are you going to throw it to you're going to underthrow it 20 yards to Robbie Anderson Uh, that doesn't really do a whole lot either or throw four yard passes to Jamison Crowder all game you know you could do throw four yard passes to Le'Veon Bell so I, I think it's it's not necessarily panic and sell time but I feel like If you were going to sell low, it's probably now before the bottom actually falls out.
1: Yep, for
2: sure. All right. We did talk about things we'd maybe want to trade. One thing I'm not trading is my Harry's razors. Humans, well, most humans have been shaving for thousands of years. Nathan hasn't been shaving for probably about six months. And I've been shaving about three quarters of my face for, I'd say, about two weeks. For those of you new to the show, that means Nathan looks like a grizzly bear, and I have a sweet mustache. So, the secret to a great shave, you might ask. Well, it, you know, the, the logic's all there. It, it hasn't really changed much over time. The Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles. Neither do you. That's why Harry doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky crap onto their razors. They, they just give you the good stuff. They give you what you need to get that nice close shave every single time. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Like I said, I haven't done anything uh, crazy like get rid of my Harry's. Uh, I love my Harry's razors. I've been using them for actually for a good amount of time now. And uh, I love them because it gives me a nice close shave. It's easy glides, it's low price. I don't get burned from it like I do with a lot of other stuff. It's, it's honestly they're the best around and I don't think it's necessarily close. So make sure you do us a favor and check out harrys.com forward slash blue wire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essentials quality durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. It's super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule with or without a subscription. So when you order them, they show up and there's no risk to you for trying them out you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a full refund thankfully i've never had to do that because i've loved the shave every single time i've ordered it i now have just a permanent uh, subscription and i wouldn't trade it for the world honestly it's such a good shave so everyone everyone listening please go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire you can get your trial set today that trial set includes a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. It's super smooth and lovely. The rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. Again, no razor burn, and it smells really good too. And a travel blade to cover, uh, oh, I'm sorry, a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. For those of you maybe hopping on flights all the time, going out for business, you got to make sure you look good at those meetings. So go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to start shaving better today.
1: You know, Dan, you did almost say uh, prescription like eight times in that ad. Uh, (laughs) The the, the doctors have once said, uh, here's a prescription for four Harry's razors, because they look at my face and like, wow, that's too much beard."
2: I got a prescription for more cowbell. Okay, let us move on from Harry's to... Well, maybe a, a new tight end one. I, I don't know about that transition, but what I do know is Darren Waller has looked pretty damn good when he's been on the field this season uh, and in an Oakland offense that has been surprisingly coherent. You know, obviously the Antonio Brown saga and, and still having to deal with Derek Carr as their quarterback, even though know, he's been playing pretty darn well. Darren Waller, who was kind of being talked about a a decent amount throughout the off season, especially in dynasty Twitter. Are we ready to, to kind of crown him in that not necessarily elite group at the top, but are we talking about tight ends six to 12 right now with Darren Waller? Yeah, I think we are. I,
1: I, I asked you before the show, if we had talked Darren Waller recently, because my take throughout the month of September, basically, and even into October was, Sell him while you can. Foster Moreau is a good talent behind him. And, you know, they're not going to sign him long term. And then what did they do in October? They signed <laughs> him long term. And so, A, that messes with all my Foster Moreau shares, which I have an irrational amount of. And it proves that they have faith in him long term and that he is the tight end one in Oakland. So or in, in Vegas, eventually. So I, I think that he is in that you know it's a very fluid range of tight ends that 6 to 12 range that you know the tight end 6 could be the tight end 25 in 3 weeks you know that's how fluid that situation is and i think that he's around there 6 to 8 6 to 8 range right now he's getting the targets he's getting the touch that, I mean actually he wasn't getting the touchdowns he got a touchdown this week but yeah i i do think even with the extension this is a little bit a product of there's no wide receivers in oakland there's just Tyrell Williams and that's it So I I still, even with the uh, extension, blame the fact that there's nothing else really to throw there for Derek Carr, and the fact that they've been losing most of their games. But I think that he's good enough that he's a long-ish term asset right now.
2: Yeah, he's, honestly, he's the easy button for the offense right now. Obviously, Josh Jacobs has been really good, and, and it's easy to turn around and hand him the ball, but when you're, you know, pulling 10 yards a clip, throwing it to your tight end... I mean, the, the offense is going to keep moving down the field pretty much at will. And like you mentioned before, the targets are definitely there. He's I mean, he's pretty consistently getting between eight and ten. And the catches are are there. I think he's got all, he's averaging something like almost seven a game through the course of the season, obviously through the bye week now as well. And the thing that wasn't coming were the touchdowns. And he had two in week seven against Green Bay when he went seven for one twenty six and two. Obviously not a sustainable line, but even in his bad down week against a solid Houston defense, he had two for 11 and a touchdown. So when the, when the offense is getting to the red zone, it looks like they're starting to look to him. He's catching at a high rate. He's got a decent yards per catch number. He's looking, you know, right at about that, that 10 yards per catch mark, maybe even a little bit higher than that. And, you know, you mentioned that there just isn't any, any wide receivers there. Well, I think the thing with Waller is, he's a wide receiver or convert. I mean, he's, he is a wide receiver, just a big one. And if they can, if they can split him out, whether it's in the slot, whether they put him all the way out wide, I think he's, he's a miss. He's just an absolute mismatch for just about anyone, unless you're putting a safety and a big corner on him. These guys don't really have much of a shot. So I I think, I think Foster Moreau is definitely a, a good talent. And I think these guys can kind of work together a little bit more. I, I feel like the John Gruden offense works better with a big pass-catching tight end, but I do feel like the the floor will lower itself over time as Oakland adds talent on the outside, as Tyrell Williams is healthy, and they potentially bring somebody in next year. But the big re-signing, I think, is, is very, very promising. I think they have big plans for Darren Waller, and they continue to use him in the way they have been using him.
1: All right, let's go to our final topic of the day, and it's going to be another tight end, and it's going to be Jonu Smith of the Tennessee Titans, FIU fame. Jonu Smith took over for Delaney Walker, who got injured two weeks ago, and uh, since that injury, he's had three catches for 64 receiving yards in week seven and six catches for 78 receiving yards and a touchdown in week eight. Of course, this is the Ryan and Tannehill show now as well. So do you think this is a connection of, oh, these are two guys that were playing on the second team in training camp? Do you think this is, you know, Johnny Smith being a for real tight end one in Tennessee? What are your thoughts on Smith?
2: Well, Johnny's one of those guys I've, I've liked basically since I've known about him, is, is probably his last year at FIU. Athletic freak as far as tight ends go, maybe slightly undersized for a tight end at only 6'3", but 250. And like I said, I mean, it, just an athletic monster. And he can do most everything that Delaney Walker can and, and was doing. And the big thing with Delaney was that he was kind of Mariota's binky while, while they were working together. And obviously, Delaney Walker was, was pretty darn successful prior to that. But John, to me is just a really good football player, and, and I've been hanging on to him going up and down. And, and I just, I've never really let go of him. And he's been such a stash for so long that it's hard to say he's anything but, you know, a really good tight end. And and obviously uh, his, first, his first couple of seasons really weren't what I had hoped for. But we all know that tight ends take a little bit to get there. He is only 24, and I, I think he's finally turning that leaf. You know, 6 for 78 and a touchdown in the absence of Delaney Walker isn't by any means like a true monstrous game. But in the current tight end landscape... It's hard to ignore it. And I feel like they'll roll into Janu as, as Delaney's career maybe comes to an end or, you know, he kind of rides off into the sunset, whatever it happens to be, but they've got to get, they've got to get him more involved. Obviously they have Corey Davis and they have AJ Brown and they have a solid running game with Derrick Henry. And the move to Tannehill just kind of tells me that, that um, maybe, maybe it was time for some changes at tight end too. So I don't know. I, I think I think Johnny's firmly like a low end tight end two for me. He's not a tight end one. He's he's not got the consistency of play. He doesn't have the volume. But if this is a sign of things to come, I, I think we're looking at a potential tight end one.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a very loose term with the potential tight end one. But you know, I, I do think he falls into that bucket, uh, especially you know with the Titans, they don't have much after you know Derrick Henry's not really much of a receiving threat and then you have Corey Davis and AJ Brown but not much at wide receiver three I don't think Adam Humphreys is really doing much for you and so Titans are certainly a team that was is looking at probably having a a different quarterback next year likely a rookie uh, unless they win a bunch of games but I think that that offense is going to get better as they transition to a different quarterback away from Tannehill and Mariota and that'll be a good thing for Johnny Smith and certainly as that happens that also will lead to the
2: exit of Delaney Walker, whether whether it be retirement or cap casualty. Yeah, I mean, I think they drafted Johnny to be the eventual replacement for Delaney Walker, who has been good for them, who was good for San Francisco, and and you know, I, I think it's probably just that time. And like I said before, it's not like Johnny was old by any means. He's only twenty four. This is his third season and I'm just kind of hoping that this week was a sign of things to come because he did look good. And and I think I do truly believe that he is a good tight end.
1: And this was truly a good episode of the nice trade cast brought to you by our good friends. Like, like we said, ship station and Harry's thanks guys so much. Make sure you rate and review the podcast. Uh, Give us five stars. Say how great we are. Say how how we haven't had too many tick tingle difficulties lately. I know I just jinxed it else who had a had a technical problem with saying the word technical difficulties but dan any last
2: thoughts do i have to say kadoosh i can say it
0: (laughs) nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g
3: mypatriotsupply.com